So 223 of Up for Discussion, the Emotionally Honest Comedy I've been doing this for four years. <laughs> the Emotionally Honest Comedy Podcast, where we take your questions and dish out hot treats and tasty goofs sometimes a lot. And I, I'm Adrian Schoen. And I wasn't kidding. It's it's the show's four-year anniversary. That's crazy. I know. It's it's like, it's. I was going to say it's hard to believe, but I guess I've been living it, so it's not that hard to believe. <laughs> Well, I, I think I only joined maybe a year ago. Two years. Two, has it been that long? Uh-huh. Oh, my I, God. I realized because uh, a few days ago, Facebook was like, you and Adrian met two years ago. That's I crazy. Like, I hired you not that long after that. So That's was, nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. How did that happen? I don't know. Time really like. Oh, it's a real bitch. It's nuts. It's a real whirlwind <laughs> of blowing by too fast. <laughs> well, I remember like you and Kate. Bradley started around episode 120. Yeah. That's about 100 episodes. So that's, that's nuts. That's like two years. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't believe it. You're a goddamn liar. I know. I think I'm lying. I think I'm <laughs> lying. But I think about where I was two years ago. I did not have a baby. <laughs> this is the biggest thing, I think. Uh, Teffer and I weren't together. I did live in this house. Yeah. Um, that's, that's mostly... Those are the big changes, really. Those are big changes. But yeah, so four years. Four years of doing this. That's nuts. You know what's the craziest thing? Hmm. Think about it this way. From like J- July onward of, of this year, uh-huh. you will be able to say you've been around for more than half of this. That's so weird because <laughs> you guys had such a substantial number of episodes by the time I came on. And I was like, you guys are nuts that you've done this much. And uh, and now you're nuts. Oh, I am nuts. Well, almost. If Wait. you make it another like 17 episodes, you'll be nuts. Or that doesn't seem too unattainable. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like August, I think. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it's 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 been a it's been a wild ride. Wow. A year ago, <clears throat> a year ago on our three year anniversary, we interviewed Hank Green again wow. and announced that Toby was going to exist, which right. was crazy. We launched that um, Indiegogo campaign that went like really well. Uh, two years ago, not a whole lot happened, <laughs> except, well, not a lot, nothing special happened, I think, for the anniversary. We maybe did a, like, we did, like, a two-hour episode. Oh. That was very, uh, an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and then around the one-year anniversary, we had Hank Green on the show for the first time. Oh, my gosh. So it's been a, yeah. Well, we could keep this going time. for, like, a you know, 24-hour uh, anniversary sewed, uh, you know, just like Dan Carlin-style hardcore history, six-hour episode comes out. In Montreal, Quebec. <laughs> In the beginning of time, there was the pod. <laughs> oh, God. It's not everybody can produce podcasts on their own. You need a team of friends behind you. You need a network. A real thing. <laughs> have you have you been on an episode since I started introducing shitty canned music in the background? Yeah, but you did it for a commercial. Okay, okay. I haven't seen you just roll it out <laughs> casually, like it was a thing we do now. Oh yeah. Oh man, have you seen the new Twilight Zone? Uh, no, no. Oh, it, it's like out. 
Yeah. Oh, no. I saw that first couple of episodes, but the second episode, Dan Carlin is actually the um, like on it as a podcaster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a really long time to figure out who the voice was. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, it does sound like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know this man. <laughs> it sounds very legitimate. <laughs> I can't figure out why. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Dan Carlin. Right. That happened to me with um, John Gabris was a guest on an episode of Nailed It okay. in like the second season. And I had never seen his face, but I'd heard his voice so many times. And yeah. she's introducing him and he's like already said some stuff at this point. And I'm like, that voice is really familiar. And she introduces him. I'm like, oh, I had that with I was at Just for Laughs and uh, we went to see the Midnight Surprise. And I kept hearing this laugh from the balcony. I was like, I know that laugh. I, I can't figure out who it is, but I know who that is. And so the whole show is going by. I keep hearing this. I'm like, who is that? And I, I, I turn to my husband. I'm like, it's Jimmy Carr. And then I turn to my <laughs> my left, and Jimmy Carr is standing next to me. And I was like, yes, it's that man. <laughs> but it was a, just like a weird association. There's such a familiarity in the brain with like people that you're, uh, you know, familiar with through uh, entertainment. Like mm-hmm. you have that distance and that barrier, but they. Your like brain doesn't know that. Right. Your brain thinks it's someone you know because you've spent a lot of time hearing and seeing them. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. it. It's it's really like, it, well, it's why people you know <laughs> listen to this for four years and give us money. <laughs> I hope so. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, Tom, Tom's my friend. Adrian's my friend. Yeah. The Kates are my friends. Yeah. Simon used to be my friend, but he's not anymore. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> disappeared into the void. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely you. You build a relationship with people that you don't know, and then mm. when you see them, it's odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to a good way to put it. Yeah. I'm always like, uh, so like, there are like a handful of like podcast people who I you know am friends with in real life mm-hmm. who don't live here. Yeah, who like I started listening to before meeting them, and like we hit it off. And it's always like it's always weird when you realize like, oh, I guess we're friends now. <laughs> You're like, God, this is like, I just know your voice. Your voice is in my head. I don't see your face usually when I'm listening. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's like, for me, there's kind of two types of podcaster. There's the ones who used to be YouTube people that I watched. Okay. So I see their faces really clearly. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones who I have never even bothered to look up what they look like on the internet because I don't want to know. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then there's the ones who are kind of in between, like where I never bothered looking up what they looked like. And then discovered them in real life and went, oh, the McElroy brothers look kind of weird. (laughs) I grew up with such a relationship with like Chicago NPR. And that's always a situation where you look them up and you're like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's because these people have had like a long, um, you know, career in radio, whereas Mm -hmm. podcasters tend to be a little bit younger or, you know, like it's it's so there's a little bit less of like me going. I did not think that that person would look like that. <laughs> right, right. And they're, they're chosen, like, they get that career because they have such, you know, um, uh, like, phenomenal voice quality. Mm-hmm. And to, to have that. But it's such an intimate space for somebody that you don't know. Like, I fall asleep with your voice in my ear. <laughs> like, that is not a space that really, there's, like, one person that said that with me for, for a long time. And uh, it's weird to, like, mm, I don't know that I want to meet that person, right. you know, like, because my relationship with you is so much more intimate than yours with mine. <laughs> well, there's also a thing of like people's voices tend to be less deep when mm-hmm. you meet them in real life because yeah. like they're not being compressed and like put through a microphone. And like 
one person who like really threw me off with that was Cecil Baldwin, who mm. still sounds exactly the same. In yeah. Real life. <laughs> Where like you just he, he just doesn't sound like he's speaking straight into your ears, but he still has the same like warmth to his voice. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of other people like myself, like I sound a lot like warmer Mm-hmm. On, on recording than I do in real life in real life I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm up here like a lot of the time and you know <laughs> but like in real in, on a recording I'm right. down here <laughs> and I'm soft right. and like I'm yeah I've had interactions where people get thrown off by that and it's fun <laughs> <laughs> oh the miracles of sound uh engineering because oh, yeah. yeah I sound much better on this than I do in real life <laughs> I think, yeah like I don't know Shout out to the good mics we have, basically. <laughs> Shout out to Tom. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> making us all sound good. It's just the equipment. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Seriously, like I like I think about it. I, I meet people who actually know things about sound engineering, and I'm yeah. like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> well, we all think that, you know, yeah. like <laughs> you all think I'm a fraud. Yes. <laughs> we all sit around. Tom's kind of a fraud. Why are we all involved in this? Yeah, actually, I, I heard I, I was at this big tech conference and this mm-hmm. guy from, uh, I think, the New York Times came and he did this big uh, talk about like the jack of all trades, mm-hmm. you know, like and every different culture has a different um, phrase for this, like, you know, jack of all trades, master the renaissance of none. person. Yeah, but like the idea that like you are deficient because you are not a master of anything. You're mm. just kind of a generalist. And so he kind of breaks it down to like generalists and specialists. And um, he, he kind of breaks it down of like. Uh, you could spend 20 years mastering something, but you could spend two years being really proficient in something. So is it worth the extra mm. time to go on when you could have this really diverse pool of uh, things that you you know about and you can cross-pollinate? Uh, so like Babbage created uh, the punch card system based on uh, weaving because he had been a, uh, a weaver. Okay. Uh, and it was the same system that they used to to kind of program the, the weaving machines. And uh, so he, he had this really kind of great uh, thing of like, the generalist changes the world and the specialist perfects it. Okay. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So it's like a nice spin on this idea of like, you've learned too many things right. <laughs> and you don't know how to do any of them really well. Huh. But yeah, well, cause I guess like learning too many things, if you're smart about it, you then figure out how they relate to each other. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of like tweak. And, yeah. But you tend to kind of follow a thread, right? Like you, you mm. start with something um, because you you have an interest in it and then it segues into something else because you know a little bit, it's a little bit transferable and right. you're able to kind of jump into that thing and, and learn a little bit more. Mm. And uh, so you can kind of shift from one thing to the other, but they all sort of relate because it, unless you just randomly be <laughs> like, I, I'm a front end developer, but you know, pools are cool. <laughs> you know, like, I mean... <laughs> Like, there's got to be some front-end development that goes into pools. I don't know. You can program yourself a swimming pool. I don't know what front-end development means. (laughs) In my mind, front-end development is a fancy way of saying, like, we do all the stuff before people start doing the stuff. No, it's like the the visual component of, like, a website as opposed to, like, the back-end kind of... Uh, actual machine working of trying to get your credit card information, all that stuff. But like the way it looks is a front end developer. Okay. So they're the like, they're the exterior designers of the internet. Yeah. It's like an interior (laughs) designer programmer versus an architect. Okay. Okay. That's not a great parallel, but we'll we'll go with it. But it it makes sense. Like, cause the, yeah, they're the ones who make it pretty. 
but they're not necessarily the ones who make it functional. Although I guess they kind of make it functional. Yeah, too. UI. That's why it's not a great yeah. comparison. But I yeah. don't know. Maybe a guy with a shovel. I, that, it doesn't really work. But <laughs> we'll pretend it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things that we pretend work. Should we take them to the cash corner? Let's do it. <laughs> We've become a zoo fest. Four years! Four! Yeah, what? Four years! Jesus. What's this music? I don't know. There we go. Something right. a, little, a little more chill. Guys, welcome to the Cash Corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. I didn't write any copy this week. <laughs> this and, is a well-oiled <laughs> machine, is what this is. Before we before we do anything, I, I we have a sponsor I want to tell you guys about. This episode is brought to you in part by Chaos. You know it. You love it. Chaos, with a K, uh, is a uh, friend of the show, George Poppy's company. If you're looking to make some high-quality branded content without breaking the bank, Chaos makes that easy, affordable, and accessible by offering a studio-on-demand model and various subscription packages that make it easy to create consistent content for your audience and potential customers. You can get professional sound equipment for podcasts and voiceovers, cinema-grade cameras, lenses, and lighting packages, live stream capability, and event hosting. I think this track includes the guy in the voiceover plugging the name of his website over and over again. (laughs) I think that's what that voice is in the background. Subliminal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Whether your business is starting a podcast, building a video empire, or adding live streams to your social media pages, they've got a package that will help you create consistent, reliable content for your audience. Go to createchaos.com or check them out on Instagram at createchaos with a K to find out more. I also want to tell you guys about a little thing we're doing on our Patreon. The music stopped. Yeah. A little thing we're doing on our Patreon. Do you guys know that Patreon has a special offers feature? I found that out today. People pay for this. I know. You can't even edit it because you put the music on it. (laughs) I found out today that Patreon has a feature in beta right now for special offers. And I thought, yeah. Let's do it. So, uh, as you know, Patreon's a virtual tipping and rewards website that uh, lets you guys do cool stuff uh, with us by giving us money so that we'll do cooler stuff for you in your name. Amen. And uh, (laughs) we've got a special offer going right now where uh, starting uh, by the time this episode is already out, uh, until June 10th, so for the next week-ish, uh, if you pledge at the $25 level or above, or if you're an existing patron and you bump yourself up to $25 or above, you'll get a whole episode dedicated to you. What does this mean? Well, it means in addition to all the other perks you get for pledging at the $25 level, like a Skype session with me and uh, the power to submit the featured Patreon question once per cycle on the show, uh, you will also get uh, a whole episode where at the beginning of the episode we'll say, this episode is dedicated to Patrick. And we'll talk directly to you throughout the whole episode. We won't make eye contact with each other. We'll put a picture of you in the middle of the table and talk to you. If we don't know what you look like, we'll draw, we'll draw you first. Uh, and 
basically uh, you'll get to tell us like what the sort of theme is you want us to follow for that episode. So in addition to like the featured question, which will also be yours, uh, you'll be able to say like, let's say hypothetically your question was about like cheeseburgers because like you guys like to ask us that kind of stuff. Uh, you will get to make us talk about cheeseburgers and that if the theme of the episode is food, we'll also like, you know, we'll find a wild web thing about food. We'll, we'll pull some turtle butt questions about food. Everything will be up to you, Patrick. <laughs> I think Patrick's already pledged above $25. <laughs> Uh, so if that uh, if that special offer is interesting to you, or if you just want to give us money, you can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion and make it happen. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick and also Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Jan, Killian, Angie, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, and Kate. You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind the scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. And... If you give at least $5 a month, you get to submit the featured question for an episode on the show. Once per cycle on the show. <laughs> I think the music is giving you a Shatner-like cadence that I don't know if it's beneficial or not. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, should we continue to today's... Uh, good Lord. Uh, today's featured Patreon question from Carlea. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll read it with like cadence. Can you guys talk about how you met your partners? I want to hear a love story. <laughs> we might have to take that away from you. <laughs> so Carlea wants to know how we met our partners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Kate was supposed to be here for this one, Kate Bradley, uh, and then realized at the last minute she wasn't able to make it. Um, so my understanding of Kate Bradley and Paul's story is that Paul found her on MySpace and said, oh, she's cute, and messaged her, and then they got together eventually. <laughs> just to, to answer Carlea for that one. Sure. Are we just going to go, like, randomly tell uh, yeah. people who aren't here's story? Well, I figure, like, you know, she was going to get that story. Yeah. But, Yeah. You'll have to ask again. $25, and we'll dedicate a whole episode to Kate and Paul's relationship. I, I have a short story that's it's not my current partner. I will tell that story. But I always did like, I, I met uh, still one of my, my very best friends. Uh, we were meeting over like a, a message board because I wanted uh, swing dance tickets to something, and, and he had them. And um, so I had told him over Messenger that I was a, a centaur, and I ran the weather channel out of my basement, so people only saw me from the waist up, so no one knew. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. Amazing. <laughs> oh, but how'd you meet Michael? Michael. I also swing dancing, actually. Uh, so swing dancing, especially, well, I guess this would have been um, kind of early 2000s. And uh, the, that community is very much connected through message boards. And uh, it, it's like a really small, tight-knit community of people that kind of bounce from venue to venue. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was another dancer I knew named Dan. And everybody's like, Dan's got this roommate. And I never see his roommate <laughs> out. But everybody swears to God that he's got this really charming roommate uh, who plays the bassoon. And, um, and you're like, that can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, weirdly, like, I think when I was like... 
seventh grade or sixth grade. I was in, in school band, but I was at this very small Lutheran school. Mm-hmm. And we did have one kid who played bassoon. And I always thought it was kind of neat. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to play it, but I played the saxophone uh, instead. And I think I've mentioned this before because I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, bassoonist, that's awesome. Because uh, I don't know. I have odd tastes. So <laughs> I mean, I think any, but any, any instrument that you have to dedicate a lot of time to in order to do it for real sure i think is is pretty cool even if it's like you know one of the dorky back of the orchestra instruments i spend a lot of my life explaining what a bassoon is yeah (laughs) and i just give up when i tell like he also plays contra bassoon and i i just don't even bother with that one (laughs) but um so i i finally there was a big dance weekend Uh, It was something that we used to do called an exchange. And so a city would host an exchange and people Mm -hmm. from all over the country would just coordinate with people over the message boards. They'd find somebody's floor to stay on and everybody would come in for this like big event where Mm -hmm. uh, they'd book these big ballrooms, they get live bands, they just do something for every minute of the day for for the entire weekend. (laughs) And so uh, we were dancing at one of our kind of usual places during the exchange and uh, I was like, oh, you're Michael, the bassoonist. Is you're Adrian. I was like, why do we both know who each other are? <laughs> so I guess he'd see me around. I was kind of known in the community. And um, we kind of hit it off. And, and we spent that entire weekend, like, dancing together. Mm-hmm. And kind of chatting. And, uh, you know, like, blues dancing at a late night venue in my friend's basement. And um, it was a blast. And, and we really hit it off uh, pretty quickly. And then we went on, like, a it's like the only date I've ever been on uh, where we went to the second city and we saw a show and we, we listened to This American Life. It's <laughs> like I said, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Wait, it, hang on. This American Life has been around that long? This American Life has been around forever. What the fuck? It was old when I started listening to it in it college. W- it was not a podcast at first, I'm guessing. It was on the radio. Okay, w- okay. It, be- it was a big NPR show. There we go. It's been on for a long time. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. It's <laughs> like, I didn't think podcasting existed in 2000. <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably about 2003, I think. Mm. And uh, you could, we streamed it off. I don't know if he just had like recorded an MP3 or <laughs> if you could stream it in those days. I don't, right. I don't recall. I think he had one of those green IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the like the the kind of fruit shape. Yeah, ones? yeah, yeah. Amazing. I believe I also had that one uh, when I was in college. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, and Michael just struck me as somebody I had not met before in my life of somebody who, <laughs> well, sure, bassoonist, like glowing review. <laughs> no, no, like in a good way. Like uh, so, like I. Uh, 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 Jesus, story's gonna—he's gonna be so mad when I get home. It's like I listen to your podcast about it. Um, yeah, that's what being married forever gets you. It's not, it's not sweet anymore. But um, yeah, so train of thought. Now I feel so, I feel self conscious. So you realized you've never met him before? Not him. Anyone like him? So, uh, cause he was very, 
self-sufficient in a way that I don't think like I'm somebody who likes to neutralize situations I like harmony I like to correct imbalances like if I'm uh you know around two people having an argument and somebody seems to just not be making their case very well it doesn't matter if I agree with them or not I'll start arguing their side like I will stick my finger in that emotional damn to my detriment (laughs) And so, like, I I think we all need somebody who will support us, but I also know in my own mind, like, it's not Mm. a bad thing to to want to shore up other people. Right. But, you know, every um, uh, attribute, you know, carried to an extreme becomes a fault. And so to have somebody around who didn't need me to tell him he was doing a good job and didn't need me to tell him that, you know, he was good at what he does Mm. and that, you know, he was... uh, you know, he had a, a good, healthy uh, view of himself and his success in the world. Right. And um, that was something that, I mean, when you look at a long-term partner, uh, was really important to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we just really, from that moment on, and now like, I don't know, 13 some odd years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing though. Like, yeah, you're right that like, it's really refreshing, I guess, to like, to be with someone who doesn't, like need you yeah. in order to like survive and yeah. who just wants to be with you right? exactly like th- that codependency can be really like unhealthy mm-hmm. um so to be with someone who's like you know you can tell right away like oh this guy like this guy would be fine if he was alone forever yeah that's a sh- that's reassuring because it means that like i can just be a person yeah exactly and not have to try to fix him it, yeah it takes, and and not to say that any anybody who's <laughs> listening that i have dated <laughs> <laughs> like that they were, you know, you know, like horrible, needy beings, but sure. you know, it probably wasn't the right time in my life or, um, you know, it was just, uh, he just radiated this, uh, confidence mm-hmm. that was, you know, really attractive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, confidence is such a, such a big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And like being self-assured enough to like, yeah, I mean, again, just to like, to function right i was i had this weird thought today i was listening to somebody talk about incels and they were saying like when they went through the message boards and they saw that like all this incel stuff like one of the things that they talk about all the time is how they feel so insecure about how they look and they like their jaw lines aren't square enough and they're not like they have this ideal and i was like well, women have had that forever. That's why we have anorexia. Right. We had the good sense to turn it inward instead of hate outward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's some entitled shit to yeah. be like, I feel bad about myself. <laughs> you are awful. Yeah, welcome to men. <laughs> Jesus. You know, did I tell you this like a little while ago? Somebody like got really mad at me on the internet and called me racist and sexist, but specifically against white people and men. <laughs> I was like, I'll wear that badge. <laughs> oh, you social justice warrior. I know. <laughs> but also, like, I feel like I'm allowed to be, like, hypercritical of people groups I belong to. Yeah. Right? I feel like that's legit. That's a longstanding rule. You're <laughs> yeah. allowed to criticize your own. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like how, like, Chappelle can make jokes that I can't make. Yeah. And, no, like, uh, yeah. Like that's just a thing, you know, you're allowed to, you're allowed to make fun of your own people. Yeah. I can talk about my mama. You can't talk about my mama. No. The only thing I can say about your mama is that she's great because she supports us on Patreon. <laughs> okay. You can talk about my mama. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so my origin story, I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. 
<laughs> I was bitten by a radioactive love. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's got to be a song, right? <laughs> a really bad one. It's like that E.T. song that uh, God, Neil Diamond did, Turn On Your Heart Light. Right. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Um, so, yeah, so I was thinking about, like, how Tefer and I met, um, like, you know, in the context of this question, because uh, we met a long time before we started dating. And uh, yeah, so I guess I'll just sort of like tell that story. Um, we met five and a half years ago, I guess, um, when she was like, I think, eight or nine months pregnant with her first kid um, and, you know, still married to her ex. And uh, so we just met in the context of like, oh, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking she was really pretty um, and also really pregnant <laughs> and being like, wow, that's a really pretty pregnant lady. Cool. Moving on. And like, and then we just sort of became friends from there. You know, um, we were in the same church and uh, well, that was where we met. And at some point she like wanted to join one of the music teams and like knew that I played music. So she came and asked me like, what do I have to do to like, you know, get on one of the the get into one of the bands and I said ask me that question (laughs) and so you know she started playing on uh on my music team and uh I always really liked having someone who could play like violin or viola because um ever since I was a kid I just loved like string instruments yeah um that's my you know cool thing um (laughs) viola here's a fun fact of the orchestra world they're the ones that get made fun of all the time right they're like the banjo players of the orchestra (laughs) (laughs) this makes sense yeah I think because they don't get like the flashy parts, they always have to play some sort of like counterpart that no one wants to like hum along to. Well, they have their whole their own clef, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, your life is hard when you have your own clef. So, so yeah. So Teffer plays viola, and like you know, I knew she could sing, and I was like, okay, like another singer who also plays an instrument that I like. Like, yeah, come come play music with me. So we played a lot of music together for a while through the church, and. um just, you know, became friends a little bit more through that. And then at some point she was, I guess, living like two blocks away from where we are now. Um, And her ex still lives there. And uh, she was looking for more work because the store she was working for, like, was not paying very well. Like, I think the the boss was kind of crooked and like, Mm. just not paying people on time and like, accusing people of stealing and just generally being a the shithead oh, um, right. and uh, I conveniently needed like I needed to hire someone to do some work with me in the office for like six hours a week and she was like I want to quit this job but I don't want to quit this job if I don't have like at least a bit of money coming in and mm-hmm. I was like I think I can help you with that um, so she started working with me and that was really great because we like worked well together and mm-hmm. you know that was it's it's a small office, so you kind of get to just, you know, screw around and be silly with whoever is working there and, you know, realized pretty quickly that, like, we thought the other was hilarious. And so, you know, got to just be nonsense people while mm-hmm. working, like, a few days a week, which was great. And then at some point, um, she, I guess, you know, realized that her ex was shit and was like, I need to leave this guy. And uh, that was, you know, going to be a hard situation because they share a child and, you know, mm-hmm you ideally when you separate from your your spouse you want to sort of make it as easy as possible for the kids right so because you know they were living two blocks away will and i were my former roommate will who was living here at the time we were like you can take our spare room if you want and you know 
she did because that was the easiest option uh and then at some point a little while later we realized we really liked each other and we're like oh you know this is not really the order of operations for most people (laughs) like usually you sort of date and then move in together uh but eh. (laughs) and yeah and it's been a really nice uh however long amount of time year and a half ish yeah something like that yeah because that was that all went down a little while after you started on the show yeah so less than two years yeah for sure yeah yeah god yeah saw it all happen before my eyes yeah (laughs) that's true (laughs) it was funny because um well actually yeah because that summer she had prior to moving in here been writing tumble down ranch which was right <laughs> as, as people listening might recall the uh erotic gay cowboy horse fiction thing starring all of us on the show at the time yeah it was an interesting journey it was an experience <laughs> it was an experience it was like 20 episodes worth of 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 uh slash fanfic yeah <laughs> <laughs> i at some point i have that uh, I adapted that into a script yeah, uh, so that we could do it as a radio play. We recorded like all of the narration and like three of the voices and then just never got around to doing the rest of it. Oh no. Uh, but we'll, we'll get, it'll get maybe, there eventually. Maybe fifth anniversary. Maybe fifth anniversary. <laughs> Life goals. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's our story. You know? Yeah. Budded friendship that eventually turned into more. Well, that's, yeah, that's the best way. <laughs> yeah. To, when you kind of develop that friendship and but yeah. i mean all, all relationships at their their core when they're especially long term you know they mm. they are friendships yeah at the, at the base of it like one of the things that I, I really love about michael is that he's he's just like the nicest person you like everybody <laughs> really agrees if you meet michael he's the nicest person you'll ever meet everybody loves him there's no one who doesn't think that he's just a genuinely great human being and then he has the most horrible wicked thoughts <laughs> <laughs> that always make me laugh uh, it, it's just outstanding uh, <laughs> uh, the depths of darkness that his mind will go to when he's frustrated <laughs> like even mildly right and I, I love that contrast of just like the nicest person in the world being like i think i'm gonna fill up and water pistol full of peanut oil and shoot at the kids across the <laughs> the school across the way because they keep throwing their ball in the yard <laughs> just in case any of them are right learning. one of them might die <laughs> i feel like kate said a similar thing about paul once that he is like <laughs> the nicest person and also has like the darkest thoughts yeah i love it i love that contrast it's just the best because you don't see it coming right it, it's just so jarring <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I definitely have like, I I can be like darkly specific about about things. Yeah. Um. But but I feel like I also don't filter that in in real life either. Where I'm <laughs> like I am not someone who outwardly is the nicest person ever. Yeah. I think people find me agreeable most of the time, but I'm right. not like you know. Yeah, people don't come away from interacting with me being like, "Wow, Tom is just the absolute best." Usually, they're like, "I like Tom." <laughs> right. It's sort of middling. <laughs> I think of that orchestral world in particular because uh, the, their social circle a lot of times is the, you know, like 
the other music uh, musicians and there's a lot of cross-pollinating across mm. uh, different orchestras everybody knows each other across the world it's a really small community mm. and actually a lot of them kind of marry into <laughs> that community so when right. i go to a party everybody asks what do you play and i'm like i don't play nothing <laughs> tetris yeah i play the radio <laughs> I <don't know>. um <laughs> play the old voice box Jesus. I'll try that one out next time. Uh, and the response inevitably is, good for you. <laughs> and they probably mean it a little bit. I think so. They're it, like, a, oh, you don't have to do this. It's a really insulated world. And I think it's a hard world for other people to understand. Because mm-hmm. uh, their hours are weird and right. their priorities are weird. <laughs> I know a lot of like classical musicians who practice for like six hours a day yeah. and in my mind that's like you know if, if it's your job I get it right mm-hmm. but I couldn't do it I couldn't do it but also like they, they don't spend eight hours a day in an office sure so yeah. you know like the rehearsals and like so the amount of hours that he's actually like sitting in the orchestra playing but there's a lot of hours where he's you know practicing or going through music mm-hmm. or making reads that's a whole thing right um <laughs> eating a taco <laughs> right <laughs> You know, doing what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, our schedules are, are uh, always kind of a nightmare because mm-hmm. he'll work nights and I work days. Right. But, uh, yeah, you know, make it work. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, having having work schedules that are compatible is, is definitely a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously when Tefer and I started dating, we were still working together. So that was very convenient yeah. for just, you know having any time to spend together and actually at that point it was like we needed to intentionally find time to be apart i was gonna say yeah. like i i'm a very like grew up very independent and mm. i'm a very independent person and i think if i had to work and live and right. like 24 7 like that i'd lose my mind yeah well we we just sort of figured it out like she took art classes and i yeah. did improv and you know we sort of we found we found things to do that you know allowed that and just eventually got good at saying like i need like an hour space yeah yeah and then you know <laughs> and then i had to fire her eventually um not really no. i mean she went on she went on leave yeah uh, due to pregnancy right um, which is uh, kind of your fault so absolutely yeah yeah you fired her in a very roundabout way <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well well what really happened was like um the company that we were working for uh like sales numbers just dropped significantly while like probably in like the third trimester so she was like about to go on leave and we had hired david to work with us david hall Mm. uh for like basically so that i could be part-time while i was on leave and the company wouldn't fall apart uh he was like yeah i'll come work as much as you need me to and so she was on leave like completely and then he was working part-time and I was working part-time and then about two weeks before I was coming back to work full-time our boss was like so um not gonna be able to afford to pay both of you oh no (laughs) so I had to give David his two weeks notice which was fine because he had said like you know he was happy to work as long as we needed him but also didn't need it um so you know two weeks was good enough for him uh, and essentially Teffer's job dissolved, right? Right. Like Teffer's job became, became David's job, but then David's job disappeared. disappeared right. Um, so for a bit we were kind of like, oh crap, what are we going to do? Like once she's off leave, like she is going back to nothing. Right. Um, and like parental leave payments are 
only really valuable if you are, you know, in a specific tax bracket that we're not in. Uh, if you didn't make a li- if you didn't make a living as an individual before you went on leave, you will not make a living as an individual while you are on leave. Sure, because they give you like at most seventy percent of what you made the previous year. Yeah, so. Having worked part time, she was making Didn't very help. little on leave, and yeah. like I wasn't making that much off leave, so we're like very screwed. And then she got a full time job, and right. it's been great. And her hours are my hours, and I'm home all day with the baby, but also working, which is an experience. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, financially, we're no longer screwed. Yeah, and we still get to spend as much time with each other as we would have because you know. That's great. Yeah, that's things nice. work out. They yeah. find their balance. Yeah, exactly. When did, uh, so so how long did you and Michael date before you guys got married? Three years. Okay. That seems like a very, like, reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Like, I always feel like when people date for, like, a super long time before getting married, I'm like, how long did you know, though? What were you waiting for? <laughs> and when people, like, start dating and immediately get married, I'm, like, suspicious. Right. He says having had a baby with someone after a year. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> But like three years feels like a really good balance between those two. I'm nothing if not sensible. Uh, (laughs) I always found like three years is kind of the point where you're either like, I'm done with this. (laughs) I find that's true with jobs. I find that's true with people. Like, So you're announcing your resignation around episode 270? (laughs) There you go. Like if it's it's not meant to be like past three years, you're just kind of like, Nah, I got no more novelty left in this thing. Like sure. it's gotta be for the long haul. Or I'm mm-hmm. I'm out. So <laughs> that makes sense. Not that I put a timer on it, but right. uh, it just seemed to be about the time, you mm-hmm. know. And I just know from me being me, like three years is a good amount of time to make that mm-hmm. assessment. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I always told myself like. My my serious relationships got progressively shorter and shorter and shorter until Teffer. Yeah. Like my first my first real girlfriend we dated for a year, and then the next one we dated for six months, and then the next one we dated for ooh how long did we date for three months maybe? Okay. And then the last one before I dated Teffer we dated for a month. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> being in a relationship for like a year and a half now is like a nice feeling. Yeah. It's like oh, I did it. I won. <laughs> I beat my old record. <laughs> <laughs> we can break up now. <laughs> my first boyfriend I was with for three years. That's impressive. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to guess that was in like high school or something. Uh, I Yeah. We started dating when I was a senior in high school. Okay. Uh, senior. That makes that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was a bit Is of it, a late bloomer in that area. That's fair. I, I mean, I didn't like, I had my first kiss at 15. So same. Late bloomer. No, well, I... <laughs> I think, uh, well, I, I, I kissed a girl once when I was like 16, and then uh, the first time I, I kissed a boy was my first boyfriend, which okay. I was with for three years. Uh, and actually, I, so uh, another boyfriend that I had, was uh, the guy I told him was a centaur, right. still a good friend of mine. It was after we had dated and broken up, and I was like, would you like to go meet my friend Eric? Uh, he's, you know... Um, <laughs> He's out on the like the suburbs, and he wanted to meet up for something. And he's like, "Why would I want to meet your ex boyfriend? That's so gross. Why would you do that?" <laughs> and then um, he met Eric, and he goes, "What did you do? <laughs> he's amazing. He's the best person I've ever met. You heartless bitch. <laughs> Why would you leave him?" <laughs> He was so in love with Eric by the time he left. And then they got together. Yeah, I think he wanted to. 
I get that. I've definitely like met people's exes who are great and been like, why? <laughs> why? I think but, it's because he wanted to be a pastor. And I was like, oh, I'm not old enough for marriage or doing that. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. As someone who once wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out. Uh, but Bye. yeah, I say that like it was an easy thing. But right. uh, no, he's a great, great dude. Uh, everybody loves him. He's amazing. Is he a pastor? Did I don't he, know. Did he's, he kind of, he's kind of not on the Internet. Okay. Uh, in any like Googleable sort of way, he's probably not a pastor. Then most of them want to kind of have the internet platform to yeah, his make only, themselves look good. Yeah, his only like digital footprint that I found is like one of those uh, teacher rate my professor kind of things. Okay, and they're all like fun class, pretty easy, super hot. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> actually had this great transformation in high school where I kind of I'd been in a like sociology class or something with him and um he had glasses and kind of like the mushroom cut and he was real quiet and then he came back senior year and all the girls are like oh my god who is this guy like it's a super sexy new kid in school and uh, I was like oh, who are you talking about and then they're like it's Eric and I was like I know Eric <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his cousins had like taken him over and like she's all that him like he, <laughs> they threw away his inhaler he started lifting weights he got a haircut got contacts they, like they gave him like highlighted tips and <laughs> which was, back then was cool it was in the 90s you know <laughs> they gave him a new wardrobe and uh, all of a sudden he was like the new hot kid in school and then he dated the two other Adrians in the school <laughs> before me. It was a little bit of a chore to get there, but uh, we finally got together. Wow. <laughs> I never had a miraculous transformation. I just changed my hair a lot. I was like bleach blonde in grade seven, like actually bleached. And then I dyed it black in grade eight. Okay. Then I let it grow out, you know, natural brown to like the middle of my back over the course of like three years and then in grade 11 I just chopped it all off yeah well hair's fun yeah I've I've definitely been through shades of that and then uh, when I was in my early 20s I just like I don't know I had nothing else to do so I like went hardcore on like diet and worked out all the time and I um I lost my breasts in a dieting accident and I I became like super hot and uh, so it was like cool to embody like Cause I kind of like, if it's not now, when, you know, like I remember my (laughs) early twenties, these are presumably my best years. So let's like fucking see what that's like. And so I went out there and it's a lot of work. So I never did it again, but I I started, I moved up to Milwaukee to be with Michael because he had a one year with the Milwaukee symphony. And I started going to this little gym because I kind of let myself go a bit. And um, there was this girl working out at the gym and she had this short blonde hair with this like pink streak. And I swear to God. God, she looked exactly like I did, like <laughs> a year or two previous. Right. So I just started calling her the ghost of workout past. <laughs> and I would go and I'd be like, God damn, those girls who looked like I wanted to look like, and I did, but I don't have it anymore. And, and with every rep, your hair got a little bit pinker. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Continual frustration. If everybody could just have like a walking embodiment of what they wanted to be and once were, I think everybody would work out a little bit harder. Yeah, I remember there was once, the, the only time that I've ever seen someone and been like, oh man, that's what I would look like if I worked out really hard. Um, there was an episode of Duck Dynasty where 
<laughs> they did a team building exercise. Like the all the duck people did a you know duck they people. <laughs> all those quacks. <laughs> They're referred to as duck Americans. <laughs> So the Mighty Ducks did a team building <laughs> exercise and um, the dude who was like running, like they hired someone to come in and do it. Yeah. And uh, that dude looked exactly like me, uh-huh. but jacked <laughs> and like dressed like me and had my face. And like at the time I had no beard and a you know, buzzed head. And I was like, that's fucking weird. He looked exactly <laughs> like me. And I was like, oh, so I started going to the gym yep. <laughs> for about two months. And yeah. then I stopped because I hated it. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, I I find it's much easier to do something like learn a skill or do something physical that's, you know, like dancing or martial arts or something, because if you just go to like work out all the time, it's boring as shit. Yeah, I found it easier when I had a a friend to go with Mm. who was like similarly like medium committed to it, like I was, like my my old roommate Sam and I would go and it was like, it was nice because I was like a little chubby and he was a little scrawny and neither of us like really had any goals in mind. We just were like, this will be fun. And it was fun. Yeah. (laughs) So at least when you're learning a skill, you can get better at that thing. And then like the the fitness gains come by proxy. Yeah. Uh, but you're not focused on it. So like there's something else that you kind of want to accomplish that right. keeps you going. Uh, although I like running now because I can just sit like be by myself, put my headphones on, listen to like, you know, three hours of hardcore history and, you know, run a half marathon. And right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <clears throat> I need to get into running or something what i'd love to do is like baseball or softball Mm. you know find like a local you know beer league kind of thing can you be in a beer league if you don't like beer yeah i feel like you can but you just get made fun of right sure that's the rule like you can do it but they just might tease you i don't know everybody's like keto and stuff these days so that's true i could get into a keto beer league there you go it's a kombucha league like <laughs> i hate it I, I, I hate it too but i, I think it probably exists some <laughs> kind of gluten allergy softball league uh i, I think it's doable <laughs> uh so carly we hope that answered your question <laughs> can i play you a clip of a thing that happened on the internet that, oh. that made me really happy. Please do. And then you said you had a sex robot story, and I want to hear that I after. Um, so, so Detective Pikachu came out right like a month ago, probably by now. Um, and then I saw this tweet that made me really happy. A detective uh, Pikachu nearly <laughs> toppling Marvel's Avengers in game. Detective uh, Pikachu <laughs> nearly toppling Marvel's Avengers in game. There's there's a lot uh, going on in this clip. (laughs) Nearly toppling Marvel's Avengers in game. So so this is a man named Lou Dobbs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, On on Fox Business talking about, you know, movie movie things. There was Um, no one in that studio that could have been like, dude. (laughs) I think it was live. (laughs) But somebody must have read the copy. Like, like, do they read everything on teleprompter as it comes by? It must be, right? (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> so he, he, he let, let's break this down. First, we're going to hear him say, uh, a, detec- <laughs> so a detective. Uh, dete- as if the first word that's hard for him here is detective. <laughs> uh, detective. And now listen to the way he says Pikachu. Detective uh, Pikachu. 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 <laughs> let's get that again. A detective uh, Pikachu. Like he's some kind of a snack that you get at a <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I'll get the Pikachus. <laughs> Hey, what kind of milk? What kind of milk alternatives do you guys have here? Oh, we got coconut, Pikachu. <laughs> Pikachu. 
<laughs> and now I want you to listen to his cadence as he finishes. The Wait, sentence. also says like nearly. <laughs> Wait for it. Nearly top. <laughs> That's nearly. good. Nearly. <laughs> and now, now listen to how he talks about Avengers Endgame because I, I really like the like bounciness here. Playing Marvel's Avengers Endgame. Details <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Toppling Marvel's Avengers Endgame. Marvel's Avengers Endgame. Endgame. He's probably so excited to come across words he knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By that point, he's just like, oh shit, oh shit, I gotta find something here. He stumbled across the first and then did one of those little jog offs. Like. I, I got this. I got this. Finish strong. <laughs> Detective uh, Pikachu nearly toppling Marvel's Avengers in game. Uh, Pikachu nearly. Pikachu. <laughs> have you seen Detective uh, Pikachu yet? I have not. I just saw Endgame. Okay. It's good. Yeah. It's real good. I, I don't see it in 3D. I didn't really like grow up with Pokemon, okay. so I don't have a real strong relationship with it. That's fair. That's fair. You might not enjoy it then. I think it's a real nostalgia trip. Uh, yeah, I think it's a genuinely good movie. Yeah. I think you, you won't get as much out of it if you don't like Pokemon. Yeah. Spider-Verse, yeah. however. Fucking God. loved. <laughs> uh, that was great. But so, I was talking to somebody about the, like Stranger Things because he's sure. younger. And um, I wonder if that show is as delightful for people who did not grow up or remember the 80s. Because a lot of like the the warm and fuzzies like nostalgia bell that it rings for me is mm-hmm. is definitely like reliving old Spielberg stuff and Stephen King and like yeah. seeing things you're like oh I had that and like just really recapturing that kind of part of my youth. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I was born in 1993. Yeah, so I, the, the 80s doesn't exist to me. But um, those movies but a lot were of the still media in, does. Yeah, yeah, those movies were still in really strong play. Whereas That's somebody a, who's like 20 now, right? I don't know would have that same relationship. I I think yeah. it's still good that somebody could enjoy it, but I wonder if it's the same. Yeah, well, for me, like a lot of the, I I watched the first season of that and like. I think the only reason I finished it was because I don't like having things sitting in my continue watching on Netflix. Yep. Uh, like, I think I just kind of powered through it because it wasn't doing much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that was because of nostalgia. I think I just didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> Like, I, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big, like, horror person. I'm not a big, like, sort of spooky monsters kind of. like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just isn't really my thing. When I also don't know that it's, like, amazing i think it's good but i don't know that it's amazing the thing mm. that makes it amazing is this like nostalgia itch that like it just it raises that little tickle in your right. brain you're like oh yeah <laughs> well and getting to watch winona rider scream sure lot. that's fun that, that like she she gave a good performance of like mother who has lost everything and doesn't know what's going on she's channeling back to when she had that shoplifting thing that <laughs> Kind of bumped her off the radar for a few years. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Stranger Things didn't do much for me, but no. like, yeah. I think I think I know enough people my age who liked it. Yeah. That I think like, but again, yeah, you like someone five, six years younger than me might have no context for it, right? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. If you're a, uh, I feel like people five, six years younger than me don't listen to podcasts yet. I feel like, like. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, right. Because they're like in high school. Because I'm, I'm not old yet. <laughs> That's not true, I guess. People seven years younger than me are still in high school. Yeah. Yeah. People five years younger than me have been in college for a couple of years and probably listen to podcasts. Yeah. I guess yeah. that is a bit of a, oh, that's a mind fuck. Yeah. Well, because like, so we were just at Yafest over the weekend, which is like the Montreal Young Adult Literature Convention kind of thing. Um, 
and we're there promoting the uh, podcast and um and like i don't really know how to pitch a podcast to most of the people who are at this thing because like it's primarily teenagers Mm -hmm. who like don't listen to podcasts right like there were there were a couple a couple kids who came up at one point who like i'm gonna guess they were like 16 17 no one of them had a lot of tattoos i'm gonna guess they were like 18 19 um and like or just had cool parents um (laughs) and they were like interested because we were raffling off a merch bundle and they were like oh like we like the logo we like books let's like sign up for the raffle and one of the ways they could get extra tickets was by subscribing and like leaving a review mm-hmm. um and they were like how do we do that <laughs> i was like i'm sorry you are the generation that lives on youtube how do you not know how to subscribe to something and That's they're like crazy. we just like what app do we use yeah like, do you have the podcast app on your phone what are the other ones like oh i think i deleted that because it was like ugly and taking up space i was like no <laughs> no <laughs> It really is Gen like podcasts, I guess, are something you have to explain to young people and old people. Yeah. And then there's a slice in the middle of uh, people commuting to work. That's it. Well, it's like, I think, I think millennials, like that age range is who listens to podcasts the mm. most. And then like up from that, like a little bit. Yeah. But like, it's really like people between like, what is it? Like 22-ish and huh. like 40. Yeah. It's people uh, with boring <laughs> jobs. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like people who are young enough that they like want to be stimulated on their way to work. Yeah. But old enough that like they're not just like playing like playing the Nintendo Switch on the train. Right. You know? Or like music or. Yeah. It's real specific. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. So tell me about robot sex thing. All right. So <laughs> I was at the Collision Conference in Toronto last week. It's giant tech uh, uh, conference that. I guess they held in Toronto. Uh, so, like, the lineup's, like, enormous. You know, it's uh, Justin Trudeau and Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and all these CMOs from these big tech companies and, you know, head of GE and head of Sony Pictures and Cartoon Network, all these people talking about Bitcoin and garbage. It's a bunch of tech assholes. Uh, <laughs> somebody said something at this conference that was the most infuriatingly nonsense phrase I've ever heard in my life. Detective uh, Picacci. Yeah. It was it was in that vein of I, it was just tech nonsense that didn't mean anything. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this I was really inspired. This uh, group, they were uh, building an AI uh, using uh, blockchain so that everybody in the, the world could participate. And I was like, I don't I know all those words. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. You've explained nothing about what it does. It's like if I said to you, like, I'm working on a um, a spring-loaded uh, device uh, sure. utilizing heating coils that'll, uh, you know, really bring consumables to every household in America, and I'm talking about a toaster. You know, like... Oh, I thought you meant it would, like, deliver consumables, and so it's, like, one cannon that... Well, because it could be goddamn over. anything. It's just a nonsense phrase yeah. of all the words that you're supposed to know that says nothing. Right. Uh, so I spent a week at this conference. There's a lot of noise and lasers and crap going on. Uh, so everybody, you know, have got all these vendors and everybody's kind of competing for your attention. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bank of Montreal uh, at this booth and they had all these robots. <laughs> and they had this like lady robot. And instead of like having just like a like light up eyeballs like the other robots, she had like a square screen for a face that had like a young pink haired 
anime girl face inside this like big white dome and like this little maid Mm. kind of robot thing and i was like why does bmo have sex robots (laughs) and to be fair i stopped and asked (laughs) right did you ask exactly that i I didn't i I was with somebody else who was like what's with the robots (laughs) (laughs) and then some guy walked by and he's like i gotta take a picture of this and i was like they got sex robots right he's like yeah right (laughs) (laughs) this is super fetishy right he's like yeah yeah huh like did they explain why they had them well the this is one of those things google bmo sex robot Will I, something come up? I, I don't know. The sex robot might, if you wrote robots, they might uh, come up. But they have these like robots that theoretically could, you know, be like little security bots or do like take somebody to an office or, um, you know, do like minor teller uh, kind of things. But they said it was a proof of concept, which okay. means it's something that they put on the booth so that people would stop and ask them questions that they're never, ever, ever going to do. Right. The problem with Googling BMO robot is that you get the little guy from Adventure Time pretty much exclusively. <laughs> I think maybe if you put like hashtag uh, collusion, it oh. might come up. Oh, here we go. Yeah. That's cute and unsettling. <laughs> is it the one with the anime girl face? No, this one's just kind of a robot. They're fine when they're just robots. It's the one with the anime girl face <laughs> that's upsetting. What'd you say? It's called consume? Uh, collision. Collision. <laughs> I keep wanting to call it collusion. Every time I see it, I just see collusion. But <laughs> oh yeah, no, I don't like these. <laughs> Ooh, no, thank you. Okay, I'm gonna close that. I don't. I don't want these. It's like an anime rate, like made. Yeah. But it's oh, it's weird. Yeah, I've been thinking about like robots recently. Yeah. <laughs> So our dishwasher has been broken for nigh on a thousand years and uh, our house is slowly turning to filth. And I've been thinking about like, you know, mm, I want to call her Rosie. Yeah, Rosie the the Jetsons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about how I wish I had a Rosie, except maybe not (laughs) because they always felt a little racist. Like it always kind of felt like they sort of enslaved her. Well, they sidestepped it by making her like not have legs. Yeah. (laughs) And enslave someone if they don't have legs. They're, right. they... It's just like bolts and, and like a little uh, wheelie deal that you would have at the bottom of an office chair. So she's not quite a person. Right. But she's clearly a person. She's Yeah. Like she's a person. I, what I always found like, oh, uh, you know, maybe it's just because she's a robot. But I always felt like her having a different voice from them really like felt oh. intentional. And like it was like the sixth, fifth time when racists were more prevalent. But she's also not that different from Alice uh, in the Brady Bunch. I was born in 1993. <laughs> she, she is the maid on, on the Brady Bunch. Okay. And she, she is a white lady and she okay. is dating the butcher down the road and uh, has her own independent life that they never really explain too much. Man, can you imagine if your parents were a butcher and a maid? <laughs> That's a good life. Your house is always clean and your meals are always fantastic. Well, somebody else's house is always clean and has good meals. I yeah. don't know about your house. Oh, that's true. Your house is always a mess because your mom doesn't want to clean anymore. Right. And you don't get, uh, well, no, you'd probably still get good cuts of meat. Yeah, I feel true. like I feel like even the brokest butchers sneak home the nice stuff for their families. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably all right on that side. Yeah. Just a matter of getting somebody to cook it. Yeah. That's true. Mm. I always assume butchers are good at cooking, but they might just be good at cutting meat. Oh, shit. <laughs> Mind blown. If you're a butcher, let us know. Paradigm shift. Where you land on that.
Well, and it might have been different in the 60s as opposed to now. Right. I yeah. don't know. I'm always like impressed at the, so the butcher closest to us like has a lot of like just cuts of meat that you can buy. Uh, but also they do a lot of like seasoned stuff mm-hmm. where they'll have like, you know, pre-made skewers or like, you know, sausages that they like handcrafted. Yeah. And I'm always like, this is impressive. And I wish I knew anything about any of this. Yeah. Well, they'll tell you about it. Yeah. And I think now they're they're probably excellent chefs. But uh, I don't know back in the day. Yeah. I think they're artisans yeah, more than exactly. they're chefs, right? Which totally. is a gross word. But yeah. anyway, I, I spent some time at a tech conference and I can tell you that our future is doomed. Well, our future is sex robots. <laughs> our future is sex robots and a, a Bitcoin <laughs> and blockchain. I'm fine with it. And uh, th- yeah, there's a lot of like talk about the ethical uses of AI. Okay. Um, and, and how everybody's just kind of going, I don't know. <laughs> we probably should. The, the AI blockchain that everyone can contribute to the thing you were talking about before mm-hmm. to me just sounds like twitch plays pokemon it could be anything it means nothing it literally told me nothing right well uh we hope you guys enjoyed listening to this recorded sound frequency informational entertainment sound wave file transmitted via rss rss feed see that's even more specific but it's annoying (laughs) yeah it's dumb as shit yeah people just don't tell you what they make well being dumb as shit is on brand for us Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. Like we said before, uh, if you pledge $25 or increase your existing pledge up to $25 by June 10th, in addition to all the sweet perks you get, you'll get a little extra something something in the form of a whole episode dedicated to you. We also have merch. You can click the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public, And you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. I don't think I like what the music does to you. No? No, I, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Let us know. Oh, God. <laughs> Share this episode with your loved ones. Share it with a friend who loves a sex robot. Yeah. If you know any sex robots, share this episode with them. Yeah, I'll support that. <laughs> Uh, I think you should also share this episode with someone who plays an instrument that you don't totally understand. <laughs> Find a contrabassoonist. Give is him a it, hug. Is a contrabassoon just a bassier bassoon? It is a, the deepest uh, in, instrument in the orchestra outside of the, the organ. Okay. If you would like to experience the contrabassoon for yourself, right now, cover your ears uh, with your hands mm-hmm. and then uh, stick your tongue out of your mouth and make a little... And that should recreate the sound that it makes. Uh, you'll be familiar with it from the intro of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, there's a low rumbling sound that begins that score. And uh, that would be a contrabassoon. Hmm. It looks like a giant wooden paper clip. Interesting. I'm going to pull up a clip <laughs> of contrabassoon. It is. Like I said, I spend a lot of my life explaining what these things are. (laughs) A lot of people are like, I don't. Is that like an oboe? Pretty close. (laughs) That's it. This is a controversy.
This is a contrabassoon. You can follow the show on Twitter at Down With Talking. <laughs> and each of us individually, I'm at Tom Zalatni. I'm at Boxless Thoughts. Uh, anything to plug, bearing in mind this comes out on June 4th, our four-year anniversary? Uh, I don't believe so, but if you have any questions about Contrabassoon, uh, you know, consult either your local Contrabassoonist or direct your questions to me at, at Boxes Thoughts, and I will do my best to answer them for you. Do you hear the guy breathing? Yeah, he's circular breathing. <laughs> it's really hard to do that, actually. Uh, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to plug either. Guys, four years! Four years! <clears throat> Here's to four more. Can we get reelected for a second term? Only if you donate to us on Patreon. <laughs> Before you impeach us off the internet. All right, well, I'd like to give out a special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use their title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all of their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. And this show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatni for the Upward Network. It's you can me. find out all of our great shows at upfordnetwork.com <laughs> let us know if you like Tom's soundboard <laughs> I'm on the fence <laughs> see you next time bye Hi everyone, I am Hughes the Younger. And I'm Hughes the Elder. We also go by Nick and Jim respectively. We are the father-son duo and the co-hosts of Canada's Young Leaders. CYL is a podcast that Nicholas and I put together and bring out every week. We interview a really exciting special person. We take a lot of time to find them and they bring to you new ideas and new messages that we think you'll find interesting. We are really trying to push the dialogue forward, introduce our listeners to big ideas in realms of immigration, indigenous reconciliation, climate change. Ultimately, we want to push Canada forward on these issues and really create a better country for all of us. So please tune in. We release episodes every Monday and you can find us on the Upward Network. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing, pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingonthefly.wordpress.com.